Welcome back to another edition of Broomsticks and Butterbeer. I'm Dan Rhino. I'm Jessica Rhino. This is episode 119 as we continue our journey through Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Last time we talked about chapter 25, The Beetle at Bay, and today we're going to talk about chapter 26, Seen and Unforeseen. Wait a minute, what? You're seeing it, but you're not seeing it? Sure. Hi. So last last time in chapter 25, headline in the Daily Prophet, 10 Wizards and Witches Escape from Azkaban Prison. Cornelius Fudge, the Minister of Magic, tells the public that these escapees are likely meeting up with Sirius Black. Roderick Bodie, a former ministry worker and patient at St. Mungo's, was murdered by a devil's snare plant. Hagrid's been put on probation by Dolores Umbridge. Umbridge gives another decree... That teachers cannot talk to students about anything non-core uh, or non-course relevant. Rather, the occlumency lessons with Snape are not going very well. Harry and Cho have a very awkward Valentine's Day date. Harry asks Cho if she wants to meet up with Hermione later on in the day. Cho gets upset and storms off. Harry meets with Hermione, Luna, and Rita Skeeter later in the day. And the plan is to have Rita Skeeter interview Harry, tell his side of everything that's been going on, and have it published in the Quibla, run by Luna's dad. That was all like a lot of down stuff, like bad guys escaping from prison, uh, dude gets murdered by a plant, Hagrid probably going to lose his job, <laughs> uh, Harry's getting tortured in these occlumency lessons. Harry has a bad first date with Cho. Like, it's just wonk, wonk, wonk. You got one of those. There you go. Yeah. They should have just tied her. Chapter 25. There you go. But, the end, we wrap it up with a good thing, kind of. Maybe. Hermione's blackmailing a, an adult <laughs> into. Uh, Helping them out. Blackmail's always good. Mm-hmm. Especially when kids are blackmailing adults. Yes. Well, let's see if any of it does get better. Chapter 26 of Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Seen and unforeseen. Harry's Rita Skeeter interview isn't out just yet, but Harry is, is starting to gain more support from the student body, many of whom originally thought he was a nut job. And Neville even makes a comment about how people should know what these Death Eaters are capable of. That's probably a pretty tough thing for Neville to say out loud, right? Yeah, especially... Well, I mean, the cat's kind of out of the bag already. Like, you know, he, he was kind of not talking about his parents and Death Eaters and things that happened in the past. But 
now that it's out, he's kind of like, okay, well, I guess I can just speak my mind. Well, we saw a little bit of a change in tenor for Neville in the last chapter, too. A little bit more of a focused determination, uh, maybe a little anger in there, maybe a little fear in there, all kind of mixed together to, you know, kind of form the new and improved Neville, so to speak. Neville 2.0. Yeah, Neville 2.0. But I just, for me, it, it kind of seems like he's been keeping this in for so long. And now there probably is a little bit of, you know, cathartic feeling to it to actually maybe have it out there and maybe just like kind of, you know, uh, renew your your energy a little bit and kind of, you know, give you something to focus on and you don't have to keep it all in and keep it to yourself. You've got friends that, that care about you and, and for him to say, you know, something, he, he's very, I don't know, I want to say aggressive, but he's, he's very, you know, got a little bit of a, a little bit more confidence in his words when he says that, the, you, the story needs to get out. People need to know what these Death Eaters can do. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, it does have... Put a little bit more fear in him. Mm-hmm. I mean, he doesn't know. What if the... Uh, what if Bellatrix wants to finish the job? What if she wants to come after his parents again? What if she wants to come after him or his grandma? Or, you know, kind of just finish up... Finish the job. Mm-hmm. I, but I kind of think, too... That it coming out now, he's kind of had this secret that he kind of, you know, he told his grandma, oh, I'm not ashamed, I just, I don't need anybody's business, I don't want to talk about it, whatever. But it's coming out now, kind of, it does make it a bigger deal, more people are paying attention to it, more people care, than I guess if it come out a couple of years ago, or if he just kind of told everybody when he started being friends with them. But it also makes him like a part of it. Mm-hmm. I feel like that, yeah, there's going to be some people that, like, stare and whisper and all that stuff or ask uncomfortable questions, but there's also going to be, like, camaraderie with other victims and the people who do support Harry's story, which Neville always has. He has spoken up before, but this time it's personal. And there's, that sounds like a tagline this for time like it's personal. Rambo 2 or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Neville 2. This time it's personal. Yes. But, you know, that's kind of what's how support groups work. It's, it's based on shared trauma and mm-hmm. shared experience. Uh, usually shared negative experience. And I think that it coming out now, we talked about that Neville wasn't the only one in uh i think susan bones we talked about in the last couple of chapters also has had direct you know impact on her family as a result of these death eaters that have escaped so it's not like neville just has the spotlight on him you know we of course harry also always has the spotlight on him but then we've got you know some other people who are kind of sharing in this experience what whether it be negative or not and i think that's probably in a way, comforting a little bit to Neville, or maybe kind of does give him a little bit more, you know, confidence to speak up. I, I'm i pretty sure, unless your family is, like, in with the Death Eaters, 
you've lost someone yeah. or a friend or family member. I mean, not in their immediate generation, but their family has mm-hmm. lost somebody sure. in the, the previous war. And so I feel like that kind of ties them all together. Even if they weren't mentioned or their family wasn't mentioned in that article about the Death Eaters getting out and the crimes that they committed, I feel like there's still connections being made because, you know, oh, well, didn't say in the newspaper, but my aunt was killed by a Death Eater or whatever. Yeah. You know, I feel like... Maybe it's not one of the ones that escaped, but I feel like that also kind of brings people together. It's kind of, I mean, kind of like any big war, you know, if you talk about World War II or, you know, even to a higher extent, the Civil War, because of everybody knew somebody who died or who fought, fought or, or who experienced hardships. Right. Or who experienced trauma as a result of. You know, uh, you know, post-traumatic stress as a result of the war, or, or just because of the sheer number of, you know, people that participated in it, and as all-encompassing it was for the world, um, World War II more so, you know, the entire world, but you know, the Civil War because it was the most Americans died in that war than mm-hmm. any other, mainly because we were fighting ourselves. Yeah. But you know, the the last wizard wizarding war was an all-encompassing thing for the entire wizarding worldwide community mm-hmm. that everybody had to have known somebody you know who was neg- negatively impacted by it so um it's it's kind of interesting to see neville starting to make a little bit of a shift here in the tenor of his character yeah i love neville uh, Harry recalls his disastrous state with Cho, explaining to Hermione what happened. And Hermione's very comforting to him, right? <laughs> um, I mean, she's not mean. <laughs> she's just very, oh, Harry, you totally messed up. Oh, Harry, you, you just, just don't, don't know girls, bro. It's just, yeah, she kind of. Explains the whole thing to him. Mm-hmm. Like she's talking to a, a toddler. Right. And trying to explain one plus one. Why don't you explain it two. to me like I'm five? The old Michael Scott from The Office. Yeah. But yeah, she explains to him that, oh, you really shouldn't have asked Esther to come to see me. That, that You shouldn't have done that. You should have if, you know, brought it up later. Said it a different way. Said that you you promised because I kept bugging you and it was so ridiculous, but you didn't want to go and you really just, but you had to, and that I was ugly. Yeah, you should have added in that I was ugly. (laughs) (laughs) And you just got to love Hermione because she just gets it and she doesn't care. Like, I I wouldn't have cared if you said I was ugly because that's what you needed to say right then. Yeah. That would have been appropriate. That's basically Hermione saying that. But I don't think you're ugly. (laughs) That. It's basically Hermione saying that you have to, you have to handle girls a certain way because they're crazy. <laughs> Why didn't she just ask me if I liked her, be- liked her better than she's you? Like, she's like, oh, Harry. Girls don't do stop that. Stop trying to apply logic to an illogical situation. <laughs> girls are crazy. This is what how you need to deal with crazy. <laughs> Girls are crazy, boys are dumb. I yeah, don't know why. It just doesn't work. Just, it's just, I don't know how it's ever expected to work. Everybody knows that. 
Uh, Harry's having a very difficult time comprehending everything Hermione is saying. Uh, I like that Hermione says that Harry is worse than Ron before she takes it back pretty uh, quick. No, you're not. Never mind. <laughs> you're worse than Ron. What am I saying? No, no. one's worse than Ron. No, you're not. <laughs> as clueless as Harry is about girls and everything pertaining to that, Ron's always going to be a little more clueless. And she answers the question that you had. Why uh, Why did she bring up these other guys? Yeah. She, she, she explained She's it for you. She's trying to trying make, make him jealous. jealous. Yeah. Just what girls do. Yeah. <laughs> well, she he brought up another girl. Yeah. I I get it. <laughs> <laughs> I, hey, look who you're talking to. I get it. I get it. A bit of a passing comment by Fred and George, but later on they're talking about how they've been dismissed from the Quidditch team, and they say, you know, Quidditch was about the only thing in this place worth staying for. And Hermione's really put off by that, but in the twins' mind, they already know what the next stage of their life is going to be. So passing newts or getting newts or eating fig newtons... None of those, none of those things really apply to what they're going to do in the next stage of their life, right? Me being, neither. I don't like fig newtons. And being oh, fig newtons are pretty good. I don't like them. Pretty good. I like I don't know. They're just a little gritty or something. I they are very gritty. I don't they are. They put they put sawdust in there to get that that little <laughs> crunch to it. Why? Maybe if I could get the sawdust free ones, I might like it. Oh, uh, you can't get sawdust free. Oh, or we'd have to raise the price of the, the fig newtons. Oh, Fine okay. folks at Keebler. Is that Keebler? I don't know. (laughs) I don't like them. (laughs) I just thought that was kind of an interesting thing for them to say because, you know, there's really not much reason for them to still be there based on what they're saying. You know, they don't want to make mom mad, but, you know, if things, you know, reasons for them to be there keep getting taken away from them, who knows? Uh, Gryffindor versus Hufflepuff Quidditch match. Not very pretty. Uh, Ron isn't the only one on the team struggling, uh, as Fred and George's replacements are pretty much garbage. Yeah, wasn't one, like, screaming? Yeah, just, like, like terrified? There's nobody else you could have found? This is Gryffindor. This yeah. is not supposed to be screaming and scared. These are supposed um, to be the jocks, right? Yeah. Yeah, the brave. No, couldn't find uh, anybody else? Apparently not. I don't know. Like, why are, why are the coffers so empty? Because <laughs> <laughs> they've had the of, same... Of Quidditch talent. Same team for so long. And everybody's like, well, I'm never going to, you know, make the team over so with that practice? guy. So why practice? I guess. Uh, but again... like a JV team. Again, Jenny's pretty good. Jenny's awesome. Jenny uh, is underrated. I have that in my notes. We've talked occasionally about how proficient, and I put underrated, Jenny is as a witch. Uh, you mentioned something, I want to say it was back in the Chamber of Secrets, about like the seventh child or the seventh... It's supposed to be the seventh son of a seventh son, mm-hmm. is, but seven is a big deal, and she's the seventh child. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if you take the, I've mas- always, the need for masculinity out of the equation. I've always heard that seven is a magical number. Yeah. But I never really knew why. But, I mean, you read a lot more magic books than I do. Yes, seven is very important. 
So, I mean... One, I just read one. 13 was a big deal. She was the 13th daughter of the 13th daughter. Ooh, 13 daughters. Yeah, that's a lot. No, <laughs> no, not 13 daughters. Just she was the 13th child, but it was a daughter of a daughter. Huh? So the, <laughs> the mom was the 13th child, and she was a daughter. You got the uh, Harry one I'm thinking of? No, nope, that's the wrong one. Nope, nope. Well, what? Yep. There we go. <laughs> yep. That's it. I saw the what, and I, I hit it, and then it was the wrong one. It was what an idiot instead of, well, wait, what? <sighs> and then she was also a daughter, and she was number 13. So it was just the 13th child of a 13th child, but they Good were work. both daughters. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, it sounds kind of dumb. I don't know. I, I mean... That yeah, I'm sure Jennifer gave it five stars, but she likes uh, everything. Yeah, she likes everything. I don't think she's read this one yet, though. Uh, something to keep an eye on with, with Jenny going forward, though, I think, just because, you know, she she's come up, she's kind of been like a, this ancillary character, but always kind of in the periphery of everything that's going on. Mm. and Which will kind of slide into the middle of mm -hmm. things every once in a while yeah. and slide right back out and you didn't even notice. Right, and has been through a lot. It's like Neville's kind of the same way. Right. He's an ancillary character who slides into the middle of what's going on and then slides right back out and you kind of forget about him until he can pops back up. It's kind of the way I live, try to live my life at school. I try just to just slide keep, in. keep my head down. I'll slide in every once in a while. Just let everybody know that, you know, I'm still showing up for work. I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> that I, I, I didn't, you know, take a bunch of sick days or anything. But then I kind of just want to go and keep my head down and stay out of trouble. Uh, so Harry's supposed to be emptying his mind before bed. That's part of his occlumency training. But there's really just too much going on right now. Too much to think about. And Harry dreams of that mysterious door again. The door. And almost opens it until Ron's snores interrupt Harry's dream. And and he's very annoyed. Yeah. Like he knows he's not supposed to be doing it. Not that he's got a lot of control over it. But he is kind of getting caught up. It's like I know I'm supposed to be excitement. blocking this stuff out, but if it's already happened, it's all if it's already in my head, I'm already dreaming, I might as well open that door. It's already kind of cracked open anyway. Yeah. And if Ron had his CPAP mask on, <laughs> this wouldn't have been an Just issue. Breathe right, Strip. Yeah. Well, the Quibbler is here. Harry's interview finally is in print. And not only the Quibbler was delivered, but tons of mail directed toward Harry as well, right? Tons of mail. So what's the uh, kind of the overall tone to this mail that Harry's getting? Well, it's kind of all over the place. Mm-hmm. Like, literally all over the place. Some people think he's still a nutter, a wackadoodle. And then some people are like, yeah, I don't know what to believe. And it's like... like why'd you even write, why bro? Why'd you write? <laughs> <laughs> why'd you even take the time to put pen to paper? And he says, that's a waste of parchment. Like, <laughs> why? I'm just... Dear Daniel, I'm writing you today to tell you... But I have no strong I have feelings. have no feelings about any of another. the things that you talk about and... I just don't know. Done. Yeah. Yours in Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Jessica. Um, and then there's the ones that are totally swayed. Mm -hmm. Totally on board. And those seem to start to... Well, it seems like there's more of them. But then they also like some, they just... 
immediately are like, nope, this is an egg one. Don't read it. Yeah. So we it's, get a couple that are read to us. Yeah. It seemed to me like there was, like they were throwing out a lot of negative ones. Mm-hmm. But it do, you, they, you're not going to change everybody's mind. But if but you can even change, thinking, right? Too. If you can just put the thought out there, and if you can sway anybody, you know, if, if you could just get get the conversation going, then I think you've made progress, and I think you've accomplished a lot. When Umbridge sees all this racket going on, the reading of the Quibbler, Harry's mail, she is outraged she is appalled she is flabbergasted yeah i love that harry's like well i don't see how i can hide this from her so here read it i did an interview look at this article i I did did an interview is that illegal i got mail is that illegal (laughs) (laughs) it will be soon umbridge gives harry a week of detention for continuing his lies takes 50 points from gryffindor and makes yet another educational decree which is... No more interviews. No, no more, no more no reading more the Quiddler. Quibbler. No more Quibbler. No more Quibbler inside the uh, the walls of Yes, Hogwarts. the Quibbler has been banned. Just like banning books, though. I meant, she also forbid him from going to Hogsmeade. Yeah. No more Hogsmeade trips for him. Yeah. Then she did the decree. But just like when you ban books, isn't this just going to make people want to read the Quibbler even more? Mm-hmm. Like... Oh, what am I missing out on? What is what in there is so? so why can't I read that? What is so controversial? Yeah, uh, and Hermione knows this. She loves the decree. She smirks at it and smiles every time she sees the posting. And Harry doesn't get it, and she's like, "No, don't you understand? That's the one thing she could have done to guarantee mm-hmm. that everyone in school reads it." Yes, like I said, just like banning books. It- these these banned books, their sales go through the roof every year. If I was an author, I would be like campaigning for my book <laughs> to be on the banned book list because it just gives, especially a book that's been out for a few years, that is probably, you know, when book first comes out, there's excitement and then the sales kind of dwindle down. This is like a second life for a book. It's mm-hmm. like being like, it's like reinventing your character and you know, getting like a whole new audience for, for these books. But, and I think that, you know, it's just going to make people want to read the quibbler even more. I think later on, Luna said that her dad was even going into a, a second printing of, of that issue. She said he'd never sold so many copies. And so, yeah, he's going to make another printing. And he was very surprised because he thought like the horn necked swallow monsters or whatever were going to be the. <laughs> Be the real drama. We're gonna, yeah, we're going to be the the big get for but that for that not. issue. It's Harry, his little story. Uh, despite the ban on the Quibbler, and despite the ban on teachers talking to students about non-educational things, students are still getting the opportunity to read Harry's interview. Uh, students are very clever with uh, their spells, being able to make the pages seem like they're more like a, or like or a textbook, textbook. pages mm-hmm. so everybody's getting a chance to to read harry's interview and the teachers can't just come out and talk about their support for harry because of the decree that teachers can't, can't talk, talk about, about anything. anything non-educational but some of the teachers like sprout and flitwick and trelawney are showing their support in different ways weren't they mm-hmm. treats 
<laughs> Treats and goodies and yeah. I think uh, Sprout gave Harry or gave Gryffindor twenty points because he handed her a, a water canister or something like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Trelawney says that Harry's not going oh, to die a horrible death now. Horrible death now. He's going to live to be crazy <laughs> years old, have lots of kids, and be the Minister of Magic. Which I'm sure that's why she got. To, that's why she got fired. We'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get to that in a second. But, but that I, right there probably put the nail in the coffin for her. But I thought it was funny that the kids are still finding a way to get their hands on the, the interview. And the teachers are still finding ways to show their support, despite all these decrees that Umbridge is putting out. Mm-hmm. And Harry even seems to have gotten back on Cho's good side. And maybe even more... Uh, of a surprise, he also seems to have converted Seamus into a believer as well. Nice. Finally got Seamus. Yeah, Seamus was one of the ones who was always very anti-Harry's side of the story. Mm-hmm. And what do, you, what do you attribute the, the change in thought process to? Oh, I thought we'd go the other way. Why was he always like this? I was just going to say, he seems like a mama's boy. That's what, Yeah, he just <laughs> listens to his mom. His yeah. mom, and his mom is very clearly very passionate one way and he if if he went the other way and said didn't say that harry was an utter he's basically saying that his mom is you yeah. know what i mean he, yeah he just seems like a mama's boy um but now yeah he he seems to have seen the light he's probably this is the first time he's read something for himself mm-hmm. you know he probably isn't one of those not a lot of kids turn on the news or read the newspaper or even informative magazine articles you know he might read about quidditch he might read about a band or something but he's not going to read about politics Mm -hmm. um so this is probably the first time he's read something for himself Mm -hmm. and made you know a decision yeah an informed decision he's just always listened to his mom but i mean and and that makes sense though when you think about kids you know whenever we do a a national election here uh, you know, every four years in the United States, we always do the kids voting thing at school, right? Mm-hmm. And where do all the kids get any political views they have from? The adults in their household. From the, the adults in their household, and they they even repeat the exact words like "I don't like so and so because he blah 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 blah," and a lot of the times, the reasons why, no matter what side of the aisle you're on, the reasons why they don't like somebody are just either totally made up you know because their parents might not be the most together people in the, in mm-hmm. the world either where are they getting where are they getting their information from and where did that person get their information from before then by by the time it gets all right all the way to the parent and then by the time the kid overhears it that's not an original thought it's not even close but then when the kids get a little bit older and they start to get a little bit more independent, they start to become more of a free thinker. It's usually happens around college. Yeah, I was going to say that. I said I've always found it very interesting about the college towns and how yes. they vote. Yes. They c- Here in Missouri, mm-hmm. we're very red. But the college towns, Columbia, mm-hmm. Springfield, mm-hmm. will be hardcore blue. Very blue. It's... So it's like once you, and I know I gave examples, but either, like you said, either side, 
once they get out of their house mm-hmm. and they aren't being fed constantly what mommy and daddy think, mm-hmm. they're living at college, they're talking to their peers, they're talking to people from other areas, they're getting information from their instructors, they're just paying a little bit more of attention to the world, they might have assignments where they have to watch the news or research this or that issue. Plus, they're, they're living in a dorm. Mm-hmm. They're not living under mom and dad's roof. Yeah. So then they start to have their own opinions. Mm-hmm. And the fact, and especially, you know, like you said, we're a very red state here in Missouri, but Kansas City is very blue, St. Louis is very blue, and the college towns are very blue. And the thing that all those have in common is they are melting pots for every kind of person that you can imagine in this world. Every uh, ethnicity, every, you know, gender identity, you know, just every kind of personality of big cities and colleges are you know big rendezvous points for for that and that's that's when the you know these opinions and who you are as a person really you know especially in the college years really is kind of formed and you could see that a little bit to the extent here in hogwarts because these kids do live away from from home it's like a boarding school almost mm-hmm. where you know you're around friends and and you're also you know around a lot of different personalities a lot of different you know types of people you're you know one of your instructors is half giant mm-hmm. you know there's your ex- wait what <laughs> who's a giant i know that was a big that was a big uh a big M. Night Shyamalan twist that we had a couple books ago that Haggard was half giant. What? Um, but it just, it, it lead, especially when the older kids at Hogwarts, it leads you to believe that after they've been going to this school for this many years, that's a lot of time to be away from home. You know, you're effectively spending more time away from home than you are at home over the last five years you know for harry which he loves because he hates living with the dursleys but the majority of your time is spent living away from home and around people with many different interests and many different thoughts and feelings and stances on things that you are going to kind of shift away from what your parents are thinking and kind of shift your own opinion and Seamus even said he was sending a copy of the uh, interview to his mom. Yeah. I don't know how well that's going to go over. <laughs> I, I don't know either. I, I Usually when uh, when kids give a, a differing opinion from their parents, it leads okay. to an argument. But And, and I'm going to assume that she has very strong feelings. Sure. If it, was, if it, if it had a grip on Seamus for yeah. that long, it has taken Seamus this long yes. to get out from under this opinion that his mother has. And, yeah, I just, I don't see that going over well. Describe the dream that Harry has that night. There was a lot of names mentioned. Yeah. It was a bit hard for me to keep track. Um, but what was, like, the Cliff's Notes version of that dream? So, basically... He, like, had a dream, and he was Voldemort, like, yep. seeing from his eyes, right. like, seeing out his eyes, and 
he's talking to one of the Death Eaters that escaped. And they're kind of trying, like, you ever had this problem? We can't get through this door. I'm trying to get this thing. And the guy's like, well, obviously that wouldn't work. I don't know who told you that. Bodie told us. (laughs) Well, he was wrong. (laughs) He didn't even work there, so how would he even know? I know, and I can help you. Basically. And so they do drop a couple other names about, well, obviously when so-and-so tried this, it didn't work. And then Hermione puts it all together. Mm -hmm. Really puts it all together and lays it out for the boys of how the guy that they saw in St. Mungo's who Mm -hmm. was cursed, but he was coming back. Then he got the plant and then he died and that was... I think they even said Malfoy Malfoy's dad had put the Imperious curse on him to try and get him to go open the door and do... And then there was also one of the order people was guarding the door. Sturgis? Sturgis. Mm -hmm. And he was a they think under the Imperious Curse and trying to go through the door and then he got arrested for it. Right. And so she yeah, she put this all together and laid it out for the boys. Yeah, the Sturgis thing was a callback to many chapters ago. Mm-hmm. Where he just kinda got arrested and we're like, Oh boy, he's doing something he wasn't supposed yeah. to. He's supposed to be at work, but he did something else. Right. Um, I was a little surprised that Hermione was like, Well, let's just pretend we don't know all this. Yeah. I figured like she would be writing it out in a detailed explanation and hand delivering it to Dumbledore being like look this is what's going on but you know there's not much that Dumbledore doesn't know about Uh, Harry's been through two months of Occlumency lessons with Professor Snape and doesn't seem to be making much progress on the surface but something strange does happen in his most recent lesson um, how is Harry able to see Snape's memories rather than the reverse? So, Snape does the spell, mm-hmm. sends the spell towards Harry. Harry does a shield charm, which bounces it back onto Snape. Um, this is not really a spoiler, but this kind of becomes a regular thing where right. they're kind of jumping into each other. And we learn a lot of stuff. We learn some stuff, little bits. Just Snape is a young boy and his parents fighting and Mm -hmm. yelling. And then there was another one where they were like making fun of him. And just not not good things. He didn't see anything good. No. And it kind of made Harry even more mad because he doesn't really want to feel sorry for Snape in any capacity. Yeah. Um, And then Snape starts seeing... Voldemort's or Harry's memories of Voldemort's memories but no actually Voldemort's memories because there's one that Harry doesn't even know himself mm-hmm. like he kind of forgets to be trying to repel Snape because he's like wait what's happening yeah <laughs> I haven't seen this one uh this lesson gets cut short though by a big commotion elsewhere in the castle it seems Trelawney's day of reckoning has finally come, and she's been fired by Umbridge, and is seemingly having all of her belongings thrown out like garbage with her. Yeah, it's one of the trunk was like tipped over, like somebody threw it down the stairs. Mm-hmm. No doubt, 
all part of Umbridge's plan to make this a spectacle. Yeah. Because why why else would she do it in front in so publicly publicly? Why would she do it uh, at a time when there's so many students and teachers around? You know, why wouldn't it just be a behind closed doors kind of thing? Umbridge wants this to be a spectacle, right? Yeah. Yeah, she wants she's kind of making an example. Like, see, this could be you. Mm-hmm. You could be next. And Hagrid, you probably are. I feel like she says that with her face. But Dumbledore to the rescue. Uh, Umbridge may be able to fire Trelawney, but she cannot kick the professor out of the castle as a resident. Yes. And Dumbledore again to the rescue because we don't uh, have to take one of Umbridge's uh, suggestions for a replacement. Dumbledore seems to have already found the divination class's replacement teacher, haven't hasn't she? Yes. And um, yeah, he says that you only have the power to replace a teacher if I cannot find one. And I seem to have found a suitable replacement. Yeah, because he said she also says, "Well, what are you going to do when the new replacement teacher has to move into her quarters?" And he said, well, that won't be a problem. <laughs> this teacher wants to live on the ground floor. Dun, dun, dun. Cluck, 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 And who is this? Forenzi? Yeah, I was. I always thought Forenz. But... I thought it was Forenz. The audiobook just said Forenzi, and I was like, hmm. Yeah, but the audiobook also so said Lestrange. Lestrange. The Forenzi. Um, I don't know. That's the Renzi. He's a centaur. He's a centaur that uh, Harry's already met once. Right. Now, is seems he the, cool. Is he the centaur that's kind of like at odds with the other centaurs? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I feel like they're kind of at odds. But not, he's not like been kicked out yeah, or anything. Yeah, he hasn't been like banished or anything no, like that. he just sees things a little differently. I gotcha. He's a little more open. Gotcha. He's a little more open to new things, a little more friendly to the wizarding community than the, than the rest. So a little bit of a mixed bag, some ups and downs in this chapter. It wasn't all wah, wah, wah. No. But uh, thank goodness Dumbledore actually got out of his office for once to clear things up, straighten things, things out. Uh, and that's pretty much it for chapter 26. We do have an email. <gasps> we have an email? Yeah, I didn't tell you about it. Sorry about that. Okay. Uh, anything else you want to say about chapter 6 before we go to the email? Mm, no. This email comes to us, broomsticks.butterbeer at gmail.com from Farlenia. Hope I'm saying that right. Farlenia. Farlenia. Or you could just say the audio book told you how to Farlenia. say it. <laughs> Farlenia. Valenia. I don't know. In Chicago. In Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> We're all Italian now. In Chicago, Illinois. Chicago. Uh, she writes, in your opinion, who is the best actor to portray Dumbledore? Richard Harris, Michael Gambon, or Jude Law? Now, I know you don't do names, Jessica. Well, I know the first Dumbledore, the second Dumbledore, and the Fantastic Beast Dumbledore. Okay. So that's fine. So I That's I'm that's exactly gonna... it. Richard Harris was the, in the first two movies. Michael Gambon was in th- 3 through 8, I guess because there was 8 movies even though there were 7 books. 
and Jude Law was the uh, young Dumbledore in the Fantastic Beast movies. I played the fifth. Oh, wow. Because Kelly feels very strongly, and I don't want to upset Kelly. Okay, what's Kelly's take on this? Only the first Dumbledore. Okay. The second Dumbledore was horrid, and she hates Hot him. Hot garbage. And cannot... <laughs> Cannot she can't watch like any of those movies? Like it just doesn't work. Can we all agree that it's not Jude Law because those movies are trash? <laughs> <laughs> I told you I watched. You did the the what I don't even know what it's called. Dumbledore the secrets of Dumbledore? secrets of Dumbledore. Yeah, I watched that on the plane on the way back from L.A. And not great. No, it was not. Um, I kind of liked the first one. Um, I don't, you know, I... I liked the first one minus the obscurial plot line, which was basically the plot line. I just thought it was... I just think the obscurial thing is dumb. It wasn't great. It wasn't as good as any of the Harry Potter movies. Like, if we just followed Newt around collecting animals, I think that would have been great. We would have had a great time. But we had to drag in this... Throw a little giggle juice in there. (laughs) (laughs) It was great. You know... And Dumbledore's wearing a three-piece suit before he, you know, transitions to, transitions to his uh, wardrobe to robes. looking like Merlin and the Sword in the Stone. <laughs> but like second movie is just garbage. Yeah. It's just it's just hot garbage. That one's really bad. And I had, that, the that's why I had no, one I had no desire either. to see even see the third one. Same I mean, same thing happened to me with the Matrix. I really liked the first Matrix. Second one is trash. Just absolute trash. I never even saw the third one, and then they came out with a fourth one too that I never saw. Um, but if Kelly, you, the, Kelly, the podcast is over. You can go ahead and turn it off now. You don't need to listen anymore. We're mm-hmm. done. <laughs> bye, Kelly. Okay, bye. Do you think she's gone? Yeah, I think she's gone. I think she did. Okay. Um, I get her point mm-hmm. that that Dumbledore. The second Dumbledore didn't always behave as the book Dumbledore. Harry! Did you put your name in the goblet of fire? And that is one of the biggest (laughs) complaints of all time with the Harry Potter series. But I still, he's still Dumbledore to me. Mm. Like, if I'm picturing a Dumbledore, it is him. If I'm reading the books, and even though he acts... Not he doesn't act the way the book Dumbledore does. I'm still picturing him as Dumbledore, and it's probably because he had three times as many movies as uh, Richard Harris did. But I, I liked the first Dumbledore a lot. I really liked him, but I just don't picture him because yeah, you spent more time with the second Dumbledore, and it's, it was very unfortunate that Richard Harris passed away and couldn't be in in movies three through eight. But it kind of it kind of worked out in the tone of it mm-hmm. because Richard Harris's Dumbledore was very loving and very uh, bubbly, goofy. Yeah, very kind like of. fatherly and very you know uh, just very supportive. And Michael Gambon's Dumbledore was a little more plotting. And um, a little more loose, and a little more distant as far as like the personal relationship with 
uh, the people around him. But that's how Dumbledore is as he progresses through these books. He does start off very, you know, fatherly and uh, very loving and cuddly and, and things like that. And then eventually we see the tactician. Almost silly. Like, yeah. he's almost silly in yes. the first books, you yeah. know. He, he's not outright, you know, <laughs> but it's, oh, earwax. Oh, you know, like mm-hmm. he's silly in an older grandfather type way. Sure. But then we get to see more of, like, the tactician Dumbledore in these last few books. And especially in this book, very a very distant, mm-hmm. you know, person, a very distant character. And Harry is has a lot of resentment toward Dumbledore because of that. And if you have this connection with this actor, it might be hard for you to see that actor portray, you know, the character a different way. So it was very unfortunate that Richard Harris passed away, but it kind of worked for the story, mm-hmm. you know, that we got a new new actor because we kind of get a new Dumbledore uh, as far as like his mannerisms and his actions and the way he's presented after the first two books. Yeah, and that's something, you know, that... It's hard for authors. You, she started off writing this story about this boy who lived under the stairs and he became a wizard and he's gonna go and like, even she probably, I mean, she probably knew it got darker, but she probably didn't know how dark and how she would need the characters to act to portray that tone. Sure. And you can't go back and change what was in the first book mm-hmm. to make it flow a little better. Yeah, she wasn't thinking of how, how is this gonna work as a movie? Yeah. When, I, when she or, was writing or the first book. Or even in the seventh book, or eighth book, you know, you don't yeah. think, you know, you're going like, oh yeah, I know I know it's going to get darker, it's going to, you know, this, this Dark Lord's going to come back, and it's going to be a whole, like, almost war again, but she probably didn't know what she needed Dumbledore to be. Mm-hmm. Um, same, I mean, I can't think of any other characters right off the bat, but you, you just don't really know. They have to act a certain way to get plots to go. Sure. So who's your pick? Dumbledore number two. Dumbledore number two. Interesting. Well, I will go with Richard Harris, Dumbledore number one. Sir Kelly's just going to be mad at me. But I have a totally un-Harry Potter related reason. Okay. Richard Harris is the only one on this list that I know of that had a top ten hit on the Billboard Hot 100 charts. (laughs) Though. Back in 1968. The question is, is right? which one was cast the best? The best. A- it says who is the best actor to portray Dumbledore, and I'm going to okay. go with Richard Harris as the best so actor not because the because type of his type of because the tiebreaker is that he had a, a hit song that made it all the way to number two on the Billboard Hot 100 charts, and it was uh, MacArthur Park. MacArthur Park is melting in the dark. Hmm. Hmm. The great Richard Harris, rest in peace. I think you cheated. No. You found a loophole. <laughs> and you took it. Well, speaking of uh, loopholes. Huh? I don't know. I got nothing. Uh, thanks for <laughs> joining us on <laughs> Broomsticks and Butterbeer. Special shout out to uh, Jennifer K. 
Catherine, Luke, Amelia, Jane, Ronnie, Anastasia, Kelly, and Olivia, our little inner circle here spread out all over uh, the United States. Uh, thank you for listening, whether you're in the United States or not. We really appreciate it. Uh, well, no matter what podcast platform you're listening to us on, leave us a five-star review. Send us your emails like Arlenia did. In Chicago. In Chicago. Is this because we watched Mario? It's me. It's me. <laughs> Polenia. Sorry. We're really sorry. She's probably like, I hate you guys. We were now. in the sun a lot today, so we we're a little we're a little so slap much happy. Sun. Yeah, we're a little out of it. We're probably a little dehydrated. Yeah. I have a little I have uh, a headache. Yeah. Yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and wrap it up. Uh, send us your emails, broomsticks.butterbeer at gmail.com. Like us on Twitter at broomsticksb. Uh, you can send us direct messages on there too, and we'll give you a shout out on the air. Or uh, hit us up on Facebook as well. Until next time, be a wizard, be a witch, be a muggle, be a squib, but don't be a jerk. Or a git. See ya. Bye. All the sweet green icing flowing down Someone left the cake out in the rain I don't think that I can take it Cause it took so long to bake